Hi, I'm Jillian, and you're listening to the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast, where each week you'll learn tools and actionable tips for improving your relationship with food, your body, and yourself so that eating can feel easier. If at any point you'd like to learn more about my coaching programs, download free resources to support your progress, or just see photos of my adorable dog, you can go to www.bitesize.es to learn more. Thank you so much for listening, and let's hop in to this week's episode. Hi, I am sitting here with Esther Avant, and I am really excited that we were able to connect in a kind of a random way. And then I think we both started kind of like digging through each other's content. We're like, oh, okay. All right. All right. I see you. And turns out we also are both American and live abroad, which is another weird thing in common. And so Esther, I'm excited to chat with you, especially around So I personally work with a lot of expat clients, like clients that live outside of their home countries. And I thought it would be really cool to chat with you. Obviously, we're going to probably chat about a bunch of stuff, but specifically around like, how do you adjust to eating in a new place? But before we hop into any of that, and probably the million other things we'll talk about, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you for that great introduction. And I'm really excited for this conversation as well. So my name is Esther. I am a personal trainer, sports nutritionist, health coach, kind of all encompassing health coaching because everything is so intertwined. And I'm a military spouse. So we have been stationed in Germany for the last few years. I'm also a mom of a four-year-old boy. And we, my business, EA Coaching, works primarily with women who have a lot on their plate and have found that over the course of time, they've kind of put their health on the back burner and are now realizing something has to change. I need to figure out how to be a priority again. And all that entails from the sort of strategic exercise, nutrition stuff to the deeper lifestyle mindset work that actually allows the day-to-day stuff to happen. All right. So let's jump in. Esther, you were in Germany. I'm in Spain. I want to know, were you sort of set up to navigate the different, like the different food culture, the grocery store, all of those things? Like, did you have an understanding of what that was going to be like before you got here? Or were you just like, what the hell is this? I had no idea. I was definitely picturing like, do people walk to the market here? Do I, am I going to be buying produce at like a farm stand. I had no idea what it was going to look like. We're in a relatively rural area. There's plenty of grocery stores and, and things, but you know, I'd never been here before. I knew we weren't near a big city. Our, our town isn't really on maps. So I had no idea what to expect and actually was really stressing in anticipation of the move. And I was working with a business coach at the time and I was telling her, you know, everything in my life is going to be so different when we get there. And she said something that is still so helpful to me, which was like, some things are going to be different, but what's going to be the same? And it really helped ground me to, oh, you know what? A lot of things are going to be the same. I'm going to be with my husband and my son in you know, whatever home we end up in, surrounded by our things. I'm going to be able to com- communicate with them. There's going to be nature that's similar. There are going to be, surely there will be some overlap in the food and things like that. So that really helped me sort of start looking at things through the lens of what are the similarities rather than what are all these differences that are going to be really overwhelming? Is that kind of similar to your experience? How did you end up overseas anyway? Oh my gosh. Well, so I, 
So a couple of things here. One is I love what your business coach said to you, because a lot of the time when I work with clients that are like, I don't know how to create routines. We look at like, what are the anchors within their day? And especially individuals that, you know, I work with a lot of people that have really fun lives in the sense that like they travel a lot or they, you know, they have a really fun social life. And so every day doesn't look the same, but there are always those little similarities. Like you wake up every morning, like you're probably going to eat breakfast at some time. Like most people search for coffee, wherever they are and like finding those little anchors, whether it is in your day to day or in your whole life, I think is so helpful to then build those routines off of. But so it's interesting. And I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like how I ended up living in Barcelona, it just makes no sense because I genuinely thought I was going to stay for like two months. And I've been here now for almost 10 years. I think this is my ninth year in Barcelona. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did not expect that to happen at all. (laughs) But I was, so I was actually, I was actually an exchange student in high school for a year on the other side of Spain. So in Galicia. And I remember actually the, the sort of like initial food culture shock happened there. And it was really, really interesting because it was sort of the, the, the like, uh, sorry, the, um, for some reason, my brain sometimes like thinks in Spanish words and not English words. So <laughs> there's a Spanish word that is a conjunto and it is like the, con- like the intersect, that's what it is. Sort of like the intersection of the way people move. So I had come from a place where you like, you drive everywhere, you don't walk. Right. And so I was living in this like village, essentially in the middle of like rural Spain and you, we walked everywhere. And then also most of the food that I was eating was like hundred percent homemade. So even if I was eating French fries, like they were French fries that we actually peeled and chopped the potatoes and then fried them. And so that I remember was a big culture shock for me because at, at one point, like up until, so I had, I have always had a kind of difficult relationship with food in my body. I was uh, a chubbier kid. And when I got to Spain, I all of a sudden like dropped all of this weight without and, and there was like no attention to it. It was just, I remember my host mom being like, do you have an eating disorder? And I was like, you watch me eat every day. Like I eat so much. Like, I, I don't know if it's so much, but like I was eating regular meals, normal meals, but I was losing all of this weight and it was so weird. And I started to piece it together actually later on, like in my twenties, when I started learning about nutrition, I was like, why did that happen? So I totally didn't get it then. The food that I made or the food that I ate, all of it was homemade. So the portions were probably like maybe bigger, but there was a lot of vegetables. There was a lot more protein sources. I was, I was actually like aware and conscious of the process of making food, but also I was moving my body probably like four or five times more than I had ever. So that was totally off topic, but essentially how I got back to, how I got to Barcelona was I was traveling around Spain. I had gone to visit my old host family. Uh, and I came to Barcelona and I was like, Oh, hang out for a couple months. And then I just never left. And here we are. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I think for both of us, probably when we got to these new places, we sort of had an understanding of like health is important to me. Health is a value that I want to uphold. I, hadn't gotten, I hadn't started my coaching journey yet. I, I started coaching actually when I was about two or three years into living in about two years into living in Barcelona. I think you were a coach before you got to Germany, right? Correct. Yeah. And so when, when you were showing up, what were sort of the habits that you were like, these are the things that I need to uphold in this new place, like no matter what, you know, I love when you're talking about anchors because 
that's something we talk about all the time. And I have probably mentioned it in previous episodes that that's one of the number one things you can do no matter what chaos or transition you're in is as much as it seems like everything is in upheaval, not everything is. And if you hone in on, like you said, you're probably still looking for coffee. Okay, there's a potential anchor there. You can create routine in chaos by figuring out what are those things. And for me, some form of movement is a non-negotiable. I have dabbled in CrossFit. Now I do an, an at-home workout program. We actually traveled with dumbbells. Um, part of one of the benefits of uh, doing a military PCS is you don't pay um, like heavy bag fees. Oh my gosh. So I just I, paid like $400 to ship something from the States. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is a perk. And I knew with the transition of, you know, we had to quarantine, we had to look for a place, we were going to be in hotels for a good chunk of time, that part of my sanity would be being able to, to lift some weights. I'm not saying everybody needs to fly with dumbbells. I know it's not feasible for everyone, but whether it's bands or figuring out, you know, there's so, there's so many fitness things at your fingertips now from the Peloton app to YouTube, all the things. That to me was just maintaining a movement routine was huge and to anchor my mornings to that. It doesn't have to be at a certain time. I'm not going to force myself to wake up at the crack of dawn for no reason, but within an hour or so of waking up, I want to have done some form of movement. I also, since being pregnant, have prioritized just general walking more, which was a great habit to get into prior to moving to Europe, where like you said, there's a lot more walking. And um, that's another thing is just making a a daily walking routine. It's fun when you're in new surroundings to explore that way and also get some movement in. So those were the main ones. And then nutritionally, you you touched on two that are kind of the basis of mine as well, which are a, a lean protein source at most, if not every meal, and a bunch of veggies. For the most part, if you have a basic understanding of nutrition, you can pick out those components from restaurants, from grocery stores, and I sort of build my meals around those and figure if I'm kind of checking those boxes, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I align so much with that. And I think it's one of those things that as, so I know a lot of coaches listen to my podcast as well. And I'm not sure sort of like who tends to listen to, to your podcast, but I think like in talking to sort of like any coach or anyone that has been within the nutrition space for a long time, where we almost all of us say the same thing. It's like, I base my meals around veggies and a lean protein source. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that is not sexy at all. It's one of those things where I think a lot of the time people are like, well, isn't that boring? And I'm like, no, because you have infinite amounts of options for like which ones you add or the spices or the way that you prepare them. And I do have to say that coming from the States and moving to Spain in particular, and I, I imagine Germany is fairly similar, is like the US makes it so easy to like buy spice mixes or like have a million different choices of like different protein sources from like veggie options to omnivore omnivore options. And in Spain, it's like the food quality, I believe is higher. And I have to say our fruits and vegetables in this country are so freaking awesome. But honestly, like the variety that is available in the United States, I go to Trader Joe's now when I go back home and I'm like, oh my God, this is so unfair. (laughs) You know, that is one of the 
one of the things that I've noticed, I have a good friend, Meg, who's our head coach at, uh, at EA Coaching, and she sends me care packages every so often. And like my number one request is smoked paprika because mm. it's just not a thing here. Really? Yeah, it's really interesting. They sell... Um, paprika is like really big in Europe as like a general spice. Yeah. So it's just, it's different here. They sell something by the same name that I have bought numerous times and just isn't the same. So, and, and because it's the same word, I can't like articulate the problem to anyone and get clarity on like, yes, it is this little thing that I'm looking for, but it's not this. So anyway, so now I have a, a backlog of smoked paprika from like McCormick's or whatever from the U.S. Oh my gosh. I love that. I think, I think you hit on something really interesting though. And I think that's really important, like in a transition is that a lot of the time we try to like cling to what we used to do. Right. A lot of the time it's like, well, I used to do things like this. And I think especially, and you probably work with a lot of individuals that have an all or nothing mindset around nutrition and fitness. And I, I think probably most coaches do. And I want like anyone that's listening, having an all or nothing mindset around nutrition and fitness is extremely common. And I, and I, and one of the reasons it's so common is because it takes effort and learning and skill building to, to learn how to do things differently, because we've been sold this idea that like, you have to go all in and that's how things work. And I think Esther and I are both sort of in agreement of like, no, going all in is usually a recipe for it not lasting very long. But one thing, and I know that I did this when I first moved here was sort of like, like grieve all of these things like, oh, well, I used to do it like this. And since it, it, there is this transition period of like, okay, well, I used to do it like this. I used to buy these things. I used to cook this way. How did you adjust your, like your habits or your routines or your approach to, and like, let go of this? Well, I used to do things that way. And it worked really well for me. That is such a good topic because I, I really did have a hard time with that, especially with this move. I think even if we're not talking international, even if you're moving down the street or your job changed and your hours are different, any change to just kind of the status quo feels disruptive. And I think it's normal to have sort of that grieving process of, oh, but I liked when I was able to do it this way that was working and to feel sort of resentful of but I had to work so hard to create that routine in the first place. And now we have to do it all over again. You're allowed to, to feel all of those things. You're not wrong, but you also want to remind yourself, what are my options here? Do I want to just sit with this annoyance and throw a tantrum about it and change nothing? Or do I want to say, okay, well, it is what it is. And because I've built routines before, I have that skill already. All I'm doing is now applying it to build new routines. And I know the thing that stands out for me about the move here was like my very specific breakfast where I don't even, at now I don't even remember what it was because I love my current breakfast so much, but it was basically like, I needed to switch to a different frozen vegetable medley. And I remember like really being annoyed the first few weeks that I couldn't find the exact combination that I wanted. And then eventually had to just come to terms with, all right, well, that's not an option anymore. So what are you going to do about it? And, you know, and now it's fine. So I think what, what really helps is continuing to foster the growth mindset of, I know what to do here. I'm flexible. I can figure this out. And to realize that you either already have the tools and skills that you need to, you know, to figure it out, to do the new thing, or it's an opportunity for you to develop a new one that then is going to serve you long-term. So it's less about 
you know, I used to be able to walk at this time, or I had this really great path right by my house, and now I don't, so I'm just never going to walk again. It's more so like, okay, what did I learn from that routine? How was it support, you know, how was it helping me? Are there ways that it could have been better? This is an opportunity now to take what I was doing before and see, can I improve that in some way? Or do I want to try to replicate it as closely as possible? But to just, you know, think about ultimately, you could just give up and stop trying, but you don't want to. So then, you know, what is within your control? Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of really, really important points there. And one thing that you talked about was like the tools and skills. And I think that is a really, really key component of like developing some of these new routines is instead of looking at the what, like look at the how. And this is, there's a, there's a phrase in Spanish that my friends and I say all the time. And it's, no es el que, es el como. And it's like, it's not the what, it's the, like, it literally means that. And a lot of the time it's like the way that you communicate something, the way that you do something, that's the important part. One of the things that I, I think can be a really important part of this is like, we have to get to acceptance of the fact that like things are not the way that they were before we can actually make a change. And a lot of the time we want to jump to, I'm really frustrated with this thing. This, this isn't working for me. I just need to change it. And I think it's okay to like, like let yourself be in the like throwing a tantrum bit and be like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a day to throw a tantrum and be annoyed about this and like be pissed off that I don't have my, you know, my XYZ thing. And then I'm going to put on, like, I'm going to like pick my pants up. I'm going to like wipe away the tears and then I'm going to figure out what comes next. And I, and the acceptance part of it is such a key component of making any change because we spend so much energy fighting against things that we cannot change. And I see this, you know, I work with a lot of clients that are like, that are like, you know what? I really like, I really want to just be someone that eats normally. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, before we get to this point where, you know, first we want to define what that means for you to eat normally, but before we can get to that point, we also need to accept that like the way that you're approaching nutrition right now is the way that you're approaching nutrition right now. And we want to accept that there are certain behaviors or certain things that are happening and they're not good. They're not bad. They just are. And when we can accept that, like, oh, this is the way I do things, then we get to observe how we want to change them. And I think that goes with our routines as well. It's like, okay, cool. I can, for example, I can observe the fact that like, hey, you know what? I used to eat and I'm the same. I think it's funny. I think a lot of us also in the fitness industry tend to like eat the same meals over and over. I like I sat down yesterday with my with my lunch and it was like a variation on like protein veggies and carbs and I was looking at this and I said out loud so I talked to myself a lot and I was like I am so excited to eat this <laughs> and then I laughed at myself and I was like I really wish someone had heard that but it is really interesting to see that like a lot of us that have been in this for a really long time we don't necessarily do the exact same thing in the exact same way every day but we have sort of like general frameworks that we follow, that we can sort of plug and play, whether we are at home, whether we're on vacation, whether we are like, whether our schedule gets turned around completely. And so for you, like, how did you create some of the frameworks that you have? That's such a good question. I feel like there's such a gradual evolution that I can't say, oh, you know, this is when this thing came about. I think it's really, you know, the same thing that we would probably both say to clients is you need to just kind of start somewhere and experiment with something. And then very similar to, to you saying we need to, you know, first accept where we are now. I think we also don't take as many opportunities as we could to 
reflect on things and try to learn from 100%. So it's like, just start wherever you are, pick one thing that you're going to do, try to, try to get the first brick of that framework in place, but then actually give yourself the opportunity to look back and say, did this work the way I wanted to? If yes, great. If not, how do I, you know, why not? And how do I want to tweak it? Otherwise we just kind of blindly keep throwing things at the wall and like hoping that they're working and just piling more and more things on. So I think, you know, what really has, like you said, it's, it's all shifted over time. You know, what I'm doing now, the things that feel routine and normal now are nothing like what I was doing a couple of years ago, but they, there's never been this like massive overhaul. It's more so, oh, you know what? Like for an example, my son switched preschools um, in September and we, it's a little bit longer of a drive. Previously, I had been in a routine where I would drop him off, come lift and then start working. And I would take a walk at lunch. And now with the new school, I got into a different routine of dropping him off, walking, stopping at the grocery store, coming back, then lifting, then starting to work. It's all the same pieces, just in a different order. And it's just by doing exactly what you said, being flexible with, okay, the, the things are going to get done, but how they're going to get done is going to depend on all of the different life circumstances. So noticing the signs of either fatigue with maintaining routines or inconsistency with actually following through and taking those as red flags, like, okay, something probably needs to change here. Um, and then the other area I see people kind of shoot themselves in the foot is working really hard to create a routine. And then as soon as they start to reap the benefits of it feeling easier, they start thinking, well, this is boring. I need to mix it up. I need variety or it feels too easy now. Something must be wrong. And um, then never really getting to enjoy things feeling easier. Yeah, that's so, that's so true. And I think, you know, I'm someone that I've been called quote unquote streaky. One of my best friends was like, you're really streaky. And this is someone that's known me for like 20 years. She's like, you do things like really intensely for a short period of time. And then you sort of like change your mind and do something different. And, and that has really stuck with me. It's something, I think she told me this like 10 years ago, because I'm someone that tends to frequently change up my routines. And part of what has been really helpful for me as far as refining what actually works is that self-reflection piece. And I think we're often very resistant because that means slowing down for a second. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think, especially like living in Europe, and I, I don't know, I don't know how this is in Germany, but for example, in Barcelona, Sunday is like, everything is closed. Everything. Yeah. And so that I think was a big shift for me getting here and being like, oh, I can't do those like random errands that I used to do on a Sunday. I have to kind of just like be on a Sunday. And so that might mean it gives me an opportunity to like be on my own. It might be, you know, here something that a lot of people do is like, we'll just go get lunch or we'll go get coffee and literally sit there for like three or four hours. And that I think is such a great way to sort of let it be okay that you're not doing stuff, but not doing stuff is also an opportunity to like, let all the stuff that you're doing kind of sink in. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We talk a ton about building in a pause, whether it's before you grab a snack that you might not be hungry for before, you know, before anything. And I think that's it on kind of a, a larger scale of just kind of being present, letting 
the the previous week sink in and giving yourself some space to we call it life admin to like kind of reflect on the week ahead too and figure out what what's in store for me how do I set myself up for success how do I need to be flexible with my routines so that my non-negotiables get done in a way that actually makes sense um something I think is really interesting is that when your friend referred to you as streaky that some people could hear that and be like, oh yeah, like you have streaks of doing it all and then streaks of doing nothing. And that's not it at all. But I think sometimes even people who are being consistent will put a negative spin on it by, for example, if you have done CrossFit for a while and then you switch to Orange Theory and then you get a Peloton and then you become a triathlete, you could have this narrative of, yeah, I just never stick with anything for very long. I just, you know, I get bored and, you know, change to something else. You could put sort of that negative spin on it, or you could think I'm an active person who enjoys being active in a ton of different ways and is willing to experiment with what, you know, feels good and works best for me right now. The thing that you're streaky with is the kind of the, the how, I guess. The thing that you're consistent with is that this is a value and I'm going to be living by that value in whatever way makes sense right now. So you're kind of, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? You're like speaking my language right now because core values. So when I start with new clients, the first thing that we do is talk about values and then sort of connect their goals to their core values. And we sort of see values as like the very base of that pyramid of like, who am I? who do I want to be? And then what are the types of things that keep me moving in the direction of being that human, right? And I think for me, it was almost a turning point in my life where I was like, because I talk about this a lot on the, on the, on my podcast is, and I mentioned this earlier is I had a really difficult relationship with food in my body for pretty much my whole life. And a lot of that came from like, as I sort of built in that self-reflection into my life, a lot of it came from seeing my mom struggle with her weight my entire life until she passed away when I was about nine and a half. And, and so for me actually pausing and being like, okay, cool. I'm doing all of the things that I feel like I should be doing for my body to look a certain way or for, you know, for me to be the quote unquote fit person, but like, how does this actually align with my values? And there was this big disconnect between like, I'm doing all the things I should, you know, my, I wear an extra small and like, I look super fit. But like, why is, does this, is this not like sitting well with me as like, like, why don't I feel good about myself? And the big turning point came when I was like, wait a minute, what are my core values? Like, what is actually important to me as a human? And like, yeah, health is really important to me, but the way that I was living out that vision of health was not healthy, like not healthy to the point where, and again, I've talked about this. I think it's episode 28 of my podcast, something like that where I actually talk about like, I didn't have a period for three years. Like that's not healthy, but you would look at me and be like, oh my God, she looks so fit and so healthy. And it's like, no, I was actually living in a way that like wasn't coherent with what my values were, but also wasn't coherent with what true health was. And the big turning point there and that has been like the undercurrent of the last few years for me is like, now the things that I do align with those values and I know how. And so when I make changes to my routines or when I make changes to the, to the habits that I have in my life, it's because they align with those values, not because of like some external pressure that I feel. 
I love that. We talk so much about values in our coaching as well. And just what a great litmus test it makes for decision-making. Does this align with my values or not? 100%. And, and I think it's such an important distinction that, you know, if you were to Google list of values and you get that whole alphabetized list of dozens of words, thinness, being skinny, those are not on there. What you're going to find is, you know, maybe fitness, health, those sort of broader strokes. And I think that's so important because health and weight loss are not synonymous. You can eat in a healthy way, absolutely, which is what we both help clients do if, if that's their goal. But many people lose weight in a way that is actually damaging their health. And when when you actually sit down and and list out, okay, what are the things that that I really do value? It's not being a size zero. It's not being you know what whatever number on the scale. It's being overall healthy, being confident, having energy, that sort of things, which are better encompassed by something like health. So then when you're faced with decisions, is this what a healthy person would do or not? Is this what a person who values family time would do or not? It's very easy for you to see, is my time actually going towards the things that I say are important to me? And then if not, kind of addressing that disconnect. There's, I'm sure, an exercise that you talk about with clients of you kind of looking at your calendar. What's what's on it? Where's your time actually going? And how much of that is devoted to your core values? And are we letting kind of life, job, responsibilities monopolize most of our time? And then we're trying to like wedge core values into whatever pockets remain? Or are we being intentional about this is what's important? This is the time I'm going to devote to it. And everything else kind of needs to fit in around those things. I think we get so caught up in like the speed of life. Do you know what I mean? Like we get so caught up in these things and, and, and we're not taught this stuff. Like what we are taught, like what is essentially like, like injected into us, especially as women from a young age. And I know men have their own sort of like version of this as well is like, you will be accepted. You will be loved. You will be cared for. You will be desired when you look a certain way, when you act a certain way. And I think that this is why it can be so difficult because often our pursuit of body changes is because we want love acceptance. We think that it is going to give us confidence. Whereas really, and this is something like my group program is called the confident eater. And it is about developing confidence. And part of developing confidence is doing stuff and doing stuff and sometimes failing and letting that be okay, but learning from it. And you build confidence in yourself as you do. And I think one of the things I mention this all the time is that when I, for example, quote unquote, looked objectively like my fittest or was at my skinniest, like my confidence was conditional on my body weight and body size. And I think a lot of the time we mix up this like, well, I will feel confident when I, you know, lose the weight, but where the confidence is coming from in the weight loss is actually the actions that you are taking to reach that goal. And I think that what you mentioned earlier is like, we often approach fat loss from a very unhealthy way. Like, and I'm going to be straight up here. Like there are many people probably listening to this podcast that do not lead, need to lose a single pound. And probably some that, that would actually do really well, like eating a bit more, perhaps gaining a little bit of weight would probably really support their overall health and lifestyle. And yet, and yes, there are probably individuals listening here that their health could benefit from losing some weight. Like we cannot 
sitting here right now tell you weight loss is healthy for you. Weight loss is not healthy for you. What we can suggest as like general recommendations is like there are certain health behaviors that are going to support you improving your health, doing those things, building those skills is probably going to build your confidence. They may change your body. They may not. That's not the point. Completely agree. The real reward is the person that you become in pursuit of that goal. And then any physical changes are really just kind of the cherry on top. And that's something I've heard time and time again when I'm doing wrap-up calls with clients is the main form of progress that they're most proud of is mental. It's feeling better about themselves. It's having more confidence. It's believing that they will be successful at whatever goal they set. It's developing the new skills that are going to help them with life challenges. And we have, we talk about three C's of success, uh, consistency, commitment, and confidence. And whenever I talk about confidence, people are like, okay, well, how do I, how do I get more confident? And you nailed it. You build confidence by doing stuff. You need to actually, and that's, what's so scary is most of us, our our brains kind of want to shelter us from the possibility of failure. So it's easier to not take action because then I can say, well, that's why I didn't do it because I didn't really try. It's scarier to say, I'm really going to commit myself to this and open myself up to the possibility of falling short. But that's the only way that you can prove to yourself that you can do it is to get those small wins, to set reasonable goals and say, I'm focusing on the actual behaviors that are within my control. How many days I take a walk, how many days I prioritize my protein and fiber, all those things. When you start to get those wins under your belt and feel some momentum, that's where your confidence comes from. And then you're in that upward spiral of believing in yourself, having the confidence to take on a little bit more, really stepping into that future version of yourself even more and, you know, finding yourself unstoppable. Definitely. I think, I think a big thing, and you mentioned growth mindset earlier, and I think a big, like a really important note to make here is that a lot of being able to have that growth mindset comes from believing that you are in charge of your own actions. And a lot of the time we sort of contribute our success to like external things is like, well, I can't do this because, you know, this person doesn't let me, or, you know, uh, you probably get this all the time with like, well, my kids, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of moms in the past where they're like, well, you know, I have to make different meals for my family. So I can't control what I eat. Whereas often how I approach this is like, well, you're the one making the meals. So they kind of have to eat what you make. And if, if they complain about it, well, it's up to you to sort of decide how you want to manage that. But I think a big component in building that confidence and building that growth mindset is being able to understand like, I am in charge of my own actions. There are many, 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 many things in the world that I am not in charge of, that I have no control over. And that is frustrating. And this is where we get to practice acceptance of like, this is frustrating. I can't control this. And that is okay because that's the way that life works. And then how do I direct this inward and say, okay, cool. What can I take charge of? And often we sort of, we sort of like, like jump over the learning part. And we're like, well, I just, I'm just going to do it. Right. And you probably hear this all the time. Like you can't see Esther right now, but she is smiling and laughing because people are like, well, I just need to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. But I just need to do it. Isn't a strategy. It isn't a plan. It does. It isn't a set of skills. I want to be really clear here that like shifting from the, the mindset of, I just need to do it. And into the mindset of what are the skills, tools, and resources I need in order to do it is not easy. And that is why even both of us as coaches have coaches 
because a lot of the time we can coach other people to doing something that we are already very clear on how to do. But there are many things in our own lives that we are still building confidence on and that we are still building the skills for. I could not agree more. I just want to like ditto all of that. There was a book <laughs> I read relatively recently on on my podcast. I do a monthly book review where I take a, oh, I love a that. personal development book that because that's what I enjoy reading. And I'm a natural note taker. So I'm already reading these books and taking notes. And I realized a lot of people don't have that same interest, but would benefit from kind of like the cliff notes takeaways of the stuff. So one of the books I reviewed recently talks about motivation as a, a skill. A lot mm. of times we talk about it as a feeling where, you know, nobody's motivated all the time. You have to be consistent anyway. And that's where your habits and routines support you. But when he presented me with the, the thought that motivation can also be a skill, what you just said, that we need to believe that we're in charge of our actions and that they make a difference. That's one of the two components of it is you, you need to believe that it mattered. They, you know, what you do matters um, because otherwise, why would you bother? And the second piece is that you also need to believe that the day-to-day -day behaviors that we've been talking about add up to an impactful result that you're after. So it's so easy to dismiss like, well, what difference does this walk make? What difference does this meal make? And in the grand scheme of things, a, a one-off that you just kind of pull out of thin air, it doesn't matter on its own, but it's those repeated choices day in and day out that do make or break your success. And when you're focused on believing that you have control and that the choices you make does impact where you find yourself down the road, that's how you create your own motivation. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think because sort of a simple way that I like to sum this up is like motivation doesn't come first, action comes first. It's like you take action and then you feel motivated. Right. And and that is often like, like, wait, what? Like I need to do stuff without feeling motivated. And one thing that I learned this recently, and I cannot remember where I learned this is like, we're always motivated to do something, right? And so sometimes you're like, well, I'm not motivated to go to the gym. Well, no, because you're motivated to sit on the couch. And so there's motivation there somewhere. And, and once we sort of understand that like, okay, cool. Well, I'm motivated to sit on the couch. Okay, cool. What is motivating me to sit on the couch? And is it's within my control to understand like, how do I build motivation to not sit on the couch? And this is where, wow, Esther, I think we're going to need to do this again because, <laughs> because we should probably start wrapping up by now. But I think what we could... I think what we could probably dig into is like how to build that motivation. So maybe we just need to do a part two. I think that's a great and, idea. Cause you, yeah. when you touched on, like, I just need to do it. I rant so often about how, like, I know what to do. I just need to do it is like the most useless thought on earth. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just like, it's just a dead end. Like, okay, well then you're just going to keep bashing your head against the wall. Nothing is going to change until you figure out why am I not? And what am I going to do differently? Exactly. And sometimes like sometimes I just need to do it works for some things and some people. But if saying I just need to do it isn't actually actually getting you to do something, it's not that you're not good enough. It's that the strategy that you're using isn't working. Right. Or your lack thereof just to like, well, I hope tomorrow's different. Probably won't be. So yeah. that's where you said, like, what are the tools? What are the skills? What's the support that I need to actually get out of this rut? And like you said, action breeds motivation. So once you do get started in some way, it's easier to keep going, but you got to get over that hump in the first place. Yes. We're, so let's 
like wrap it up there and definitely like so people listening uh as soon as we wrap this up I'm going to be talking to Esther about when we're going to schedule the part two to talk about motivation because I think that is a very important very important uh topic to talk about so Esther Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? And if they're listening to you on your podcast, they know where to find you, but <laughs> yes. they might be listening we'll, to you on we'll my do it podcast. Both ways. We know it sounds a little bit weird, but here we are. Um, so I'm on primarily Facebook and Instagram, Esther.Avant on Instagram, just my full name on Facebook. And if you are not listening to this on my podcast, my podcast is called Live Diet Free. And Jillian, where can people find you? Yeah. So if you are listening to this on Esther's podcast, my podcast is called the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. You can find it on pretty much every single podcast player out there. Just search Bite Size Nutrition. I am also on Instagram. I'm probably most active on Instagram under Bite Size Nutri. So Bite Size Nutri, it's like nutrition without the T-I-O-N. And you can also find me, my website is bitesize.es. I have a mindful eating mini course that if you go onto my website, you can just sign up for the mini course. And then Esther, I know also has her programs that you can find directly through her Instagram. So I clicked through and I was looking through them earlier today. Oh yeah. And my website is just my full name. I don't know why I forgot that. But yeah. Perfect. Well, with that, thank you so much for listening. Your feedback is always incredibly welcome. And whether you are listening on Esther's feed or my feed, leave us a rating or review. Um, the rating takes like literally a second and it is so incredibly helpful for people to find these episodes. So thank really you so much true. for being it's here. It's a small thing that you can do that yeah. really makes a, a huge difference. So we appreciate it. 100%. Well, Esther, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, we will talk soon.